Hello and welcome to the Fizzle Show! Alright, what's up everybody? This is the Fizzle Show, episode number 251. And today we're going to talk about what makes a brilliant business idea. We've got some great examples to talk through with you. I'm excited to see if we can come up with a framework for you to look at your own business through. But first... If you're new here, if you haven't listened to any of our shows before, you should know that we have a free toolkit for you at fizzle.co slash toolkit. All right, just go to fizzle.co slash toolkit, and you're going to have a free toolkit for all sorts of business resources that we've put together. They're really helpful. You're going to love them. Okay, let's get into this episode. On the show today, I have Steph Crowder out there, wherever you are. Steph, where are you today? Hey, everybody. I am here in the snowy Midwest, uh, tippy top of the South, Louisville, Kentucky, and I'm feeling great. I am really happy to be here, and I'm excited to talk about this topic today. Awesome. And I'm here in the room in our new Fizzle headquarters for <laughs> the next couple of weeks, couple of months, really, in uh, Mexico with Corbett Barr. Say hi, Corbett. Hey, everybody. Uh, Corbett, how are you feeling today? Uh, pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, you seem to be feeling kind of mellow. I'm mellow because I can't speak too loudly. Oh, yeah, Otherwise, yeah, yeah. That's right. it will... We got to fix that because <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to be able to live like this with Steph at, or with Chase at half-mast over there. Um, I also enjoyed how Steph isn't quite sure yet whether to call where she lives the Midwest or the South. Yeah, she says the tippy top of the South. <laughs> I know. That's fine. It's a combo. You know, it depends on who you talk to. Uh-huh. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so I've asked everybody to come today with some business ideas that they we think are, are just great. And what I want to do today is we're going to talk through some of these business ideas what and, and, and like try to dissect what makes them great, why mm-hmm. we like them, what makes them great, so that when you listen to this, you'll be able to apply this kind of stuff to your business idea itself. Because let's stop for a second and think about what goes wrong when you don't have a great or a brilliant business idea. I mean, to me, if your idea isn't brilliant enough, basically all of your effort on your business is wasted, right? So you might have an unbalanced business idea or not a good business idea or a, an unbrilliant business idea if you aren't getting very much traction in your business. Mm-hmm. Like people just aren't paying attention, right? Uh, no matter how excellent your marketing is, you're just not getting purchases, you're not getting clicks, no matter how much time or effort you spend on your sales, pro- on your on your product itself, on your sales pages, on anything like that. Yeah, you're just not getting the clicks and the purchases. Yeah, it's just feeling like you're walking in quicksand the whole time. Yeah, exactly. And you and you wonder why, and you wonder if it's something about your idea. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then I think the biggest letdown of all is that no matter what effort you put into it, you're just basically wasting your effort, mm-hmm. right? Because it'll be a long slog until you either give up or correct what's broken in your business idea. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Now, this, this is where I, I have to push back just a little bit mm-hmm. because I think there are two sides to uh, the business coin. Mm. And the side that we're talking about today and the side that a lot of people think about is the idea side. Mm-hmm. And every Joe out there, when you talk to people, you know, like if we tell people we're entrepreneurs, blah, 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 yeah, people yeah. start to say like, yeah, well, you know, uh, I've got this business idea. Mm-hmm. Right? Totally. Yeah, yeah. And people hold on to these business ideas as if there's something that they they could potentially just unleash one day. Yeah. 
and yeah. it's going to do all the work for them yeah. right? because it's such a great idea. Yeah, totally. The problem is that ideas themselves are actually basically worthless, mm. right? Because an idea is, it's sort of like stored energy, but you have to provide the, uh, the fuel, right? To, well, it's to like, get that. Yeah, it's like apparently we're pretty close to a fusion technology where we can like, Whatever fusion means, please, please. <laughs> I'm not going to go there. It means abundant energy. We've been saying we're close to fusion for a long time, but there's this potential in fusion energy. Well, they solved it in Back to the Future. They solved it in Back to the Future. It was banana peels and stuff like that. But the, the, the idea of it itself seems like, and all the physicists are like, this should work. We just need to find a way to do it, Yeah. right? But it's not powering any houses yet it's not getting us to space right it's not doing anything functional yet because the the concept or the idea hasn't they haven't figured out a way to apply it yet. yeah now, and the application would you call that ex- execution exactly the application okay. is is what they call execution in yeah. the business world yeah. Yeah. so those are the two sides of the coin ideas and execution mm-hmm. and you have to have both yeah an idea on itself is not going to get you anything without any execution and execution on nothing isn't going to result in anything. So the two really become multipliers on one another. Mm -hmm. So a really great idea with the execution Mm -hmm. doesn't mean much. And a really crappy idea with excellent execution doesn't mean much either. You're really looking for a combination of the two. So when, when you are mentioning that, these are symptoms of a bad idea, like feeling like you're walking in quicksand or feeling like your efforts are going wasted. Mm. The only caveat to that is it could also be that your execution is poor, mm. right? Mm. And so you have to you have to think about both of those things and yeah. not just blame everything on your idea. Yeah, absolutely. But today we're going to talk about what makes a good idea so people have a... Because uh, executing on a terrible idea is also another terrible mistake, Yeah, right? You could be like we... So like I, I want to say like this message brought... This... Uh, this honest, this, uh, I don't know what, like that, that disclaimer that fizzle you just, honesty break. this fizzle honesty break brought to you by fizzle.co, you know, yeah. where, because we're all about that. We're all about helping people understand. And we've always been about this, that this was going to take effort. It doesn't happen over a weekend, but it happens, right? Yeah. It does happen. And so you're going to, you're going to need to put the effort into there, but you work smart and not hard and you get feedback as you go and you'll be amazed how, how much more leverage you have in getting traction. It's not just like you put in an inch and you get an inch back. You know, when you've got a good business idea, when you're looking at the right channels, when you're getting feedback from your audience, yeah. when you're talking to people in the forums and getting feedback from other entrepreneurs, right. you start to fill in a lot of gaps really, really quickly. And we should also say that an idea isn't a thing set in stone from which, you know, like a like a stone tablet that you... yeah have passed down from generation to generation inside mm-hmm. your company. It's a living, breathing thing that changes and adapts over time as you learn new stuff. Totally. So, you know, you put a stake in the ground to begin with and you say, this is my idea. This is my business concept or plan. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go forward with this in mind. But as soon as we get new information from customers or the marketplace, then we're going to allow this to adapt to fit whatever we learn. You know, and and that's that's healthy. That's a good thing. Yeah. Now, Steph, you spend a lot of time in the Fizzle forums with our with our members, and you've seen like us just hundreds of business ideas come through our doors. Thousands of business ideas come through Fizzle members. Um, When you think about what can go wrong with a business idea, what what comes to mind for you? 
one big thing as you guys are talking that is really on my mind lately, and it's I guess it's it's something I've been thinking about as I observe different businesses. And when I give uh, one of my examples, when we get into some examples of business ideas that we love, I'll I'll tie this to what I'm about to say. But I've just been thinking a lot about the element of simplicity and how much like how much guts it takes to really commit to a simple idea. And let me elaborate on that. So when you think about like, and this might be getting a little bit into the execution side of things, but I'll go there just because it's really interesting to me. I've just been thinking about like some of the greats, you know, from my lifetime. I think about Apple. Everybody always likes to use Apple as an example. And think about like some of the simplicity, like when you unbox an iPhone or a laptop or whatever, it's and you go on their website, it's very minimalistic. And it's very like they have really committed to this brand, this message of like, here is the thing that we do. We're committed to beautiful power, essentially. And so to tie that to what I see in the Fizzle Forums, what I see from entrepreneurs, especially in the beginning stages, is the desire or like accident of overcomplication. It's really easy to overcomplicate. And I think we overcomplicate our ideas because we think that maybe the idea is safer if we uh, place our eggs in multiple baskets, right? Like if we have Mm -hmm. an idea for something, but you know, we're not totally sure if it's like, for example, if you're a nutrition coach and you know that people want to learn how to eat in a way that's, you know, grain-free and dairy-free, but you're not totally sure. Like maybe there's people out there who also want to eat vegetarian. What are you going to do with those people? And you start to like do the math on how many different pathways there are and and how that could result Mm. in losing customers. And I see people spinning out a little bit because they're afraid to commit to a simple idea that works for fear that it's going to repel people. And I think what I have found is you've got to be comfortable with some element of repelling people. And in fact, if you're doing it right, you Mm. will repel some people. And that's a really hard that's a really hard thing to get your mind around. Like back to the Apple example, my husband, John hates Apple. Like that guy will never own an iPhone. He is like an Android nerd. That's just who he is. He like builds his own computers and Apple's got to be okay with that, you know? So I love, you know, one of the like phrases out there that I've seen recently is you can't please everyone. You're not Nutella. And there's even people out there who don't like Nutella, which blows my mind. So I see a lot of entrepreneurs in the beginning stages trying to find a business idea that's going to appeal to everybody. And it's a crucial mistake, even though it's well-intentioned, like their hearts are in the right place because you want to maximize your chances of getting customers. But the crazy thing is that actually works in reverse. So that I think is like the big thing that I've been thinking about recently when I, when I study the difference between entrepreneurs who do get traction and those who kind of never get their thing off the ground is that, that, mm. that ability to commit to simplicity and simplicity that works a targeted message, I think. Yeah. I love that. I, and I, I think you can just say all else being equal, the simpler idea is usually the better one, mm, you know, yeah. just because yes, yes. Par- partly just because again, execution plays such a role in the success of a business. And you know how easily it is, how easy it is to end up with a giant complicated mess mm. when it comes to execution. So the simpler, the better, because it, it helps you know what to focus on. Yeah. And, and in the, in the beginning, when, when people have that tendency to complicate things, it's kind of a natural tendency. And I think it's because 
people don't want to leave any stone unturned. They don't want to miss out on opportunities. Yeah, so they say, yeah. I'm a holistic health coach mm-hmm. that also helps new moms and people in mid-career and blah, sure. blah, blah. And they just start yeah. tacking a bunch of stuff on because they're trying to serve everybody. And it's because they probably lack confidence in yeah. that that one part of the idea that mm-hmm. they think is going to stick. And they probably haven't talked to enough people to have that confidence yeah. in the first place. Yeah, so the lack of confidence and expertise, mm-hmm. right? Lack of, like, I, 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 when I talk to someone who, um, like one of the things I've been into recently is talking to physical therapists who work on like people's body with yeah. movement and stuff like that. And the amount of like just quiet, assured confidence these people have after they've had their hands on thousands of bodies right. and thousands of injuries and they've seen the same thing thousands of times. Yeah. They're, they're just like, they're like, well, I mean, you can call it whatever you want, but here's what, like, I will do this three things with you and you'll be fine. You're working with someone you can tell has the experience instead of just theory exactly. at that point, right? Exactly. Yeah. And that's something that a lot of us don't have, especially as we're thinking of starting our own business. We have, I mean, I've never had that level of expertise when starting a business. I've always been a, what we call a leading learner. Mm-hmm. I've always been someone who's like, wow, look, I'm a new dad and I'm just barely keeping my head above water. But I know how to write and right. I know how to, I know how to, I care about stuff like this. Yeah. And I can maybe create a community or a blog where that can happen, right? Or, hey, I really like these bags. So why don't I throw YouTube up about it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But, but we should say, you know, again, that that has served you well, which is a great thing. It means that yeah. there are opportunities out there, even for people who don't have the perfect business idea. Exactly. So we don't want people to walk away from today feeling like, yeah. well, I got to check all these 27 boxes to yeah, make sure totally. my business idea is ready. Really what you need to do is try to have a few of these things in alignment and then move forward. That's why I call it, you need a brilliant business idea. And because because I think one of the mistakes that I've made a lot of the times, one of the reasons why I've had false starts or just more likely the case, what a lot of people listening to this, they haven't started. They just haven't done the thing yet because they're they're trying to get to perfect. Yeah, they're trying. They think it's a thing that you can get, and like Corbett said earlier, your business idea will be a living, breathing organism. It will grow and move and change as you learn from your customers and stuff like that. Yep. Right. As you as you grow in your expertise, so it will shift and morph and change like a painting. You're constantly adding new layers to, and the basic composition underneath can stay the same, but there's so much more texture and color and vibrancy now over time. So looking for perfect is another one of these errors I see people make before they get started. Because like we were talking about earlier, if you don't start executing, yeah. you won't get that critical feedback that you need to to do, yeah, to so, create, to shape this into the right so simpli- direction. Simplicity, but not perfection. Simplicity, but not perfection. And simplicity, right? Like go do a quote on simple. Like go do a quote search on simple. And Steph, maybe you have a better internet, so you should go do this right now and do like a you know Google Images search for you know simple quote or something like that, and see how many come up with uh, simple is hard. Right, yeah. simple actually is difficult right. to know what you actually do. This is what has always attracted to me to design and to copywriting, is because the best messages, the best designs, they always punch through with clarity and simple simplicity. But they take forever to get to mm. that. Okay, here's one. Here's one for you. The most complicated skill is to be simple, and right. I totally agree with that. It is. Yeah. It's. It's difficult. It's a difficult thing to do to be simple. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not for. For me, I'm pretty simple-minded, you know, and it just comes naturally. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Why is there air? <laughs> right. Right. So I feel like what we should go, are you leading up to something, Corbett? You're looking well, at your pewter. Yeah. I, I mean, I had, I had, um, more elements that make a good or bad business idea and let's and, go through and them. we can, we can talk through those as we're going through examples. But, um, the, the number one for me is just that a bad business idea is simply something that nobody wants. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's so easy when you're trying to think about business ideas to get wrapped up in your own head and to convince yourself mm. that this is something that the world wants. Yeah. And then unfortunately for a lot of people to spend many months or sometimes years working on an idea only eventually to find out that you were completely wrong and that nobody wants this thing for some reason. Nobody wants it, nobody needs it, and it just falls flat. It doesn't have the appeal that you thought it did. So that's, to me, the foundation of yeah. any good business idea. Before we talk about you know simplicity or perfection or any of mm-hmm. that stuff, it has to be something people want, and a bad business idea is something simply that people don't want. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Okay, so should we just start showing, talking through some business idea examples, saying what we think works about these things? Yeah. Okay, let's do it. Steph, do you want to start with the first one? I do, and this will be, I think, a good segue talking about um, a simple idea. And I'm curious if you guys have heard of this. It's actually something that has come into my life recently that I'm utterly obsessed with, and it really speaks to the power of doubling down on the people that you appeal to because I've told some people about this and they think I'm completely crazy. But there's this newer product on the market and it's called Ember. Have you guys heard of this? It is a mug. It's like a ceramic mug and it comes with a charging coaster, okay? Mm -hmm. And the idea is it actually syncs with your smartphone to control the perfect, you get to set your perfect temperature for your coffee, tea, hot beverage of choice. Okay. Mm. I'm completely obsessed with this because I'm one of those people who loves super hot coffee. Like it almost can't be hot enough. And Mm. the moment that it's too cold, I enjoy it so much less. Like I almost can't be bothered with it when it's too cold. I'm like a total snob about this. And I'm really not a snob about many things, but this is like a thing. This has been like an inefficiency in my life that I've lived with, okay? And it sounds ridiculous, but for me, I love having morning my morning coffee. It's a ritual for me. It's like a just a sacred time. And especially being a toddler mom, I mean, can you imagine like trying to enjoy hot coffee? Like doesn't really happen for me. I've tried microwaving it. It messes with the taste. I've had people in my life be like, why don't you get a thermos? But like the problem is for me, I also like a little bit of cream in my coffee. So like the moment it's in my mug and it hits the cold cream, it's like not right. Okay. So mm. this, and people, and I know there's, there's some people out there who are like, yes, I get this. And other people are like, you are crazy. But this is just one of those things about me. I never really thought too much about it. And then one day, a couple weeks ago, I think I was on Instagram and I saw some Someone with this mug called Ember, and I found out that it syncs with your smartphone, and you get to control your temperature, and it will keep and maintain your coffee at that temperature for up to like two hours at a time. And instantly, you guys, I swear, I was like, I don't even care how much this costs. Like, I'm getting that mug. It's eighty dollars. I've told other people this. They're like, you spent eighty dollars on this. I was like, hell yes, I spent eighty dollars on this because this is something that brings me so much happiness and like solves this inefficiency in my life that I didn't even realize was 
solvable and actually mm. like it was just something that I've lived with for so long like drinking my coffee and only enjoying it about 80% or trying to like slam half a cup of coffee when it's at the temperature that I like for 10 seconds so when I found out that a solution to this existed I, I had to have it and so I have it now and I use it every single day and it has been like this one of my favorite things in my life recently so talk about simplicity right And this product like it's not it's so not for everyone and like I said I've told some friends that I bought this they're like you're crazy crazy. But for the people out there who, and I love their tagline too, their tagline is a few degrees better. And I love that because it's like, they're not even trying to like promise that they're, you know, even solving like a huge, massive, important problem. It's just like, Hey, if you're somebody who wants to make your coffee a few degrees better, we can help you with that. And notice that this mug, I mean, I can just imagine a world where, a, you know, this, I think this is a good business idea, but this mug could have also said, Hey, by the way, we also track your sleep and we'll help you track your steps. Like imagine if they started throwing all this other stuff into their technology, but instead they just decided we are all about helping you have coffee. That's a few degrees better, a few degrees closer to the way you like it. And as a result, they were voted, you know, one of the best inventions of 2017. And from what I can tell, they're doing really, really well. So not only is this a product I love for any of my fellow like hot coffee drinkers out there, but I just think that the simplicity of it is so cool. Okay. So Corbett, tell, talk to me a little bit about like, when I think of a business like idea, when I think of a business idea, I think of a problem that's being solved and I think about how much someone want, like the the audience, yeah, like how much of the of the audience there is market size, yeah, and then how badly does that audience want this problem solved, right? Yeah. That's desire level or something. So in this, you know, Ember, the auto temperature coffee tea mug, Bluetooth sync yeah. to your phone thing, well, dissect it a little bit for me. Well, I mean, the has Steph has have you gotten this yet? By the way, yes, I have it. Love it. Obsessed with it. Use it every single day. It's sitting on my desk right now. Yeah. So the fact that there's one Steph in the world tells me that that's, <laughs> that's good enough to do more research on this. I don't know that I would produce the product at this point, mm-hmm. but Steph is so excited about this thing. Yeah, you know, she just talked to us like a, like a six year old getting a Christmas present, right? <laughs> yeah. For for I like know. for like five minutes about this yeah. about this yeah. mug. Yeah. And personally, I'm like, eh, you know, like. To me, cold coffee is just kind of part of the thing. Yeah. I, I, I drink the warm stuff and By then it way, gets cold. Me too. I kind of like, <laughs> when I was a coffee drinker, yeah. I sort of was like, oh yeah, it's still, like I would always drink great coffee from some barista somewhere. I was constantly like sipping the last, like, you know, that, that stuff that's like 60 degrees. It's only been... hot for like four minutes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the rest of my eight ounce cup is. So, so it doesn't suit me, but like it's, as soon as, so if, you know, if, if Steph came up with this idea and she thought, yeah. I have this problem, blah, blah, blah. I'd be skeptical, right? Because yeah. it's your own idea, it's yeah. your own problem. Like sometimes you can make it into a bigger thing. But the fact that Steph is a customer and she's so excited about this thing, mm-hmm. to me, it says, okay, that's worth doing more research. So yeah. with any business idea, you can't just come up with it in a vacuum yeah. and and tell yourself how great it is. Yeah. You gotta start getting out there in the world and looking for evidence that this is a great idea because there are a lot of people who want it. Now, what most of us end up doing is we end up going after an idea that already exists in some form because it's easy to validate. Because you can say, you know, there's this, um, there are bicycles in the world. So I know that people want bicycles. So I'm going to make a better bicycle because it does X, Y, and Z. And you add something on. In some ways, you could say that about this product, there are mugs out there. There are lots of mugs. We know people want mugs. But the question is, are people going to want an $80 mug 
simply because it keeps your beverage a few degrees warmer, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. And that's where you have to you have to get into customer research. You probably have to build a little prototype and actually see people use it and make sure that they understand what it's like and and so on. And so so forth. immediately you take us into the customer mindset yeah. of all right. So who who is out there searching for a solution to this problem? And the problem it sounds like to me is is my coffee or my tea gets cold too quick effectively. Yep. I mean, you could get those insulated mugs. That's another, then this, the, the, in the business idea generation process, that's like, what are, what are people currently using to solve this problem mm-hmm. is like one of the common questions you end up asking. Um, and that's where I would go with those double wall insulated mugs and stuff like that, yeah. which might, might be good enough for many people. But, um, but also I think, when, Steph, as you're talking about this ember, I haven't seen it, but it seems like one of these perfect, like made for Facebook marketing Facebook advertising mm-hmm. com- companies, right? Yeah. Like I got those Allbirds yes. shoes that are merino wool. And it's like, I don't think that company even exists outside of Facebook yeah. ads, right? The Quip uh, <laughs> pen, like, like uh, the, the uh, toothbrush, toothbrush yeah. which is a total piece of crap, by the way. Is it? Oh, I hate it. The good, the good thing is, listen, here's my thing on Quip. The only, I, did, I did research because this thing sucked so bad. It's beautiful design, toothbrush, not that sustainable materials to me. Like it didn't, it, like, but that's one of their calls to action. Um, the, uh, the bristles, the thing about electronic toothbrushes oh, sure. is the research shows there's no difference between using an electronic toothbrush or a manual toothbrush. The only, the only thing that matters is if you, if you brush for four minutes, that's the only thing we can find that like research wise that affects, you know, the amount of X, so many hygienists right now are like rolling their eyes or like <laughs> yell, yelling at the Probably, Cause I've only done like, you yeah. know, my, my, my surface level of sure. research yeah. on, you know, and, and so for me, uh, the good thing about the quip was it just times you basically mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's like vibrating and just, but like the vibrating itself, it's just buzzing in your hand. Yeah. That's literally what it's doing. It's not changing the bristles or anything like that. I was so pissed off when I got that. <laughs> uh, it was, it was, it was, you know, it was cheap, so it was fine. But, um, okay. So when I think of this one, I think of those, uh, you know, like you used to have like, you used to have like as seen on TV things, yeah. it's like as seen on Facebook advertising, yeah. perfect perfect one problem one solution one like like hip indie looking you know felt like wide brimmed felt tip hats like hashtagable on instagram it's right. it's perfect for the millennial purchaser yeah. you know now, what i mean you know, or my, the professional totally like, and career i think person. i think the cool thing is there are there are ways to reach people like that now that you know, oh, yeah. maybe didn't exist before. No, there's companies that like, like there's now there's just companies that just create those products. Yeah, they just create. Like, did you killing it? Did you click on Quip? Well, you yeah. might like this this Ember mug. They're doing so the, good. the The issue with this mug for me in the idea isn't so much in the do people want beverages that are kept at a constant temperature because I think yeah probably there are plenty of people out there who do. Yeah. The issue for me is more around the pricing and bringing it to market. And this is where I see a lot of fizzle members shooting themselves in the foot. Mm. When we interviewed uh Dan and Tom from Studio Neat and we were talking to them about the cost of manufacturing one of their products and what they sell it for. They were giving us numbers on the order of a 10x markup, right? Yeah. So they were building, you know, like a, a glyph, which is a little thing for um, a tripod for your your cell phone. Yeah. And you know, if they were going to sell that thing for twenty dollars, they had to be able to manufacture it for two dollars, right? Mm-hmm. Or the mm-hmm. other way around. Yeah. And with this Ember mug, 
you can say, yeah, probably somebody would love to have their beverage kept at a comp- constant temperature, but there's some complication there in building this thing. There's yeah. some electronics, right? There's a mm-hmm. charging pod, all this kind of stuff. It wouldn't surprise me if it costs them five or ten dollars to make this thing. Mm-hmm. And so you have to be able to sell that for like eighty dollars in order to make all of the marketing and everything work. Yeah. And I see a lot of Fizzle members saying, "Well, you know, I can make this thing for five bucks. So if I can just sell it for seven, I'm set. You know, mm-hmm. I only need two dollars of profit. Yeah. But it's a horrible way to start off trying to build a business. And so the business idea itself isn't just about is this something people want, but yeah. are they willing to pay for it and at a price that I can afford to sell it to them? Yeah, and the other question that I have for you, Steph, is um, when you first saw this thing, uh, and if you had to like look inside yourself right now and try to try to try to like run the numbers on the pie chart here, obviously we've got that I want my coffee to stay hot enough desire. What, how much though, if you're honest, is the look of the product itself like? kind of in your sweet spot? Do you love the way it looks? That's a really good question. Um, I, okay. I, I don't know if it's that I love the way it looks as much as I like, this is like, I don't know. There's gotta be some psychology to this, but I don't know what it is. I like a mug versus, you know, some people might say like, go get a Yeti thermos. I don't want to drink out of a thermos all the time. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Is that weird? I, I just the, the thought that, a, the thought that a mug can, you know, cause it's like cozier, you're in your house. So it's, I mean, if you look at it, if you go on their website, it's literally just like a plain white mug. It okay. is like nothing fancy looking. It's kind of sleek looking, but no, it's not like pretty or, I mean, it's just kind of efficient, honestly. Okay. The reason why I ask is, is, you know, a lot of our purchasing decisions are, are, are like like for products like this are are about kind of signaling values in some ways. You know what I mean? Like being a mug drinker or being a a clay mug drinker versus a, a thermos drinker. You know, because some people want to signal that they're thrifty. You know, and maybe we're going a little too far down the rabbit hole here because we are getting into pricing, and I think that's a kind of an important thing to bring up. Sure, frankly, but um, so maybe we'll zoom back up and go into just the level of first of all, is this a problem? that real people have and do they want a solution to it badly enough? Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. I think that's what, that's what I keep coming back to when I think about uh, evaluating business ideas. Yeah. A problem that real people have that enough real people have and they, they want a solution badly enough. Yes. And then I would just tack on that. I am interested and capable of bringing to market. Yeah. Right, because you can have all kinds of business ideas, but if it's something that you're going to burn out on in a couple of months, or that you don't have enough experience in, nor you know uh, background to bring to market, then you could end up just getting stuck in the execution phase, yeah. without being able to actually you know pull it off. Okay, got it. I love that. Um, and now, uh, and we should probably move on because we have so many of these other ones. But yeah. Steph, I love this one. I love this is such a great example of a, of a business idea, a product idea that solves a problem that you're like jumping on, and you have it and you use it every and, day, and you couldn't be happier with it. And I'm telling you right now, and I will report back on the show. I'm going to hear from at least one person who I just like changed their life. <laughs> I guarantee you, somebody's gonna who listen, somebody who listens to this show is going to be like, yep. "Oh my god, I went out and got this thing." So yep. I'll report back, but no, I nice. know that person is out there. And now listen to this, okay? There's three people on this show. Two of them are like, "Not for me." One of them is like, "Is for me." Yep. And and knows beyond a shadow of a doubt 
that like, cause you've had that moment with another person here or there in an office or something like that, where it's just like, can never stay hot enough. Right. I'm always refilling or I'm this, this, that, and the other. So to like, this is how a lot of business ideas work. Like Steph talked about earlier. Sometimes the simplicity, what it often means is you're saying no to some people. You're, or what you're really doing is you're just not going to be attractive to some people. They're going to be like, that sounds stupid. Anything that it sounds stupid to some person, that might be, you might mean you're in the like right direction. You know what I mean? And that's scary to put your ass on the line for going on, like, like putting your, your eggs in a basket that some people think is stupid. As long as you have those other people who are going like, this is amazing, or this would totally solve my problem. Yeah. That's what, that's what you focus on. Yeah. Because if you try to do the thing that's in the middle that meets both of them, neither of them is, are excited. Yeah. Right? And neither, neither of them really care. Totally. I love that. Okay, Corbett, what's, your, what's, what's one from you? So the next one is uh, something that you and I have talked about before, Chase, and we've talked about it with some friends of ours as well. And uh, hold on while my mic stand slides down as I'm talking. <laughs> Mexico just isn't always the best equipment down here. Uh, sometimes, but, uh, uh, so this is also something that, you know, for me, the question here is about competition. It's about niching down. And it's about this product is something that, that we inside of Fizzle might be tempted to cover in one hour long course or one lesson within a course and, and consider it good. And yet this person has taken this little concept and built a business that's bigger than fizzle and is like headed off to do incredible things. And this is story brand by Don Miller. Oh yeah. And the reason I love this is Don's story brand. If you guys aren't familiar with this, and I can't say that I'm all that familiar with it. I haven't actually taken the materials, but Chase mm-hmm. has seen it. And um, Melissa, Chase's wife, has actually attended live. Yeah. And uh, our friend Vanessa Van Ed- Edwards has taken it as well. Um, Don's story brand is really a workshop and set of training all around what he calls clarifying your message mm. so that you can be heard, mm. basically. Yeah. And the brilliance of this is... Sure, there's marketing training out there. There's tons of marketing training out there. But Don has focused in on storytelling, which uses his strengths because he's an author by background. Mm. And he's focused on this enterprise market. He's out there selling workshops to corporations Mm. and and small businesses that are looking for places to spend money to get their employees to have a better idea of how to tell the company's story and get their message out there. And he's just killing it. Mm -hmm. He's got a great structure, the way that he is delivering workshops. He's also got online training, and then he's training trainers to go out there and teach this workshop as Mm -hmm. well. It's a lot of uh, what we see from Duarte, Mm -hmm. Nancy Duarte's company, doing similar kind of work, teaching people how to give professional talks. Yeah. He's teaching people how to tell their message and refine that message through mm-hmm. a workshop. So it's a really simple idea. Don's a great teacher, mm-hmm. and he's just spreading that message throughout his organization, and, and he's off to the races. Yeah. So again, you know, when we were talking about what makes a good and bad business idea, so far we talked about something that people want, something that people are willing to pay for, and uh, something that you're interested in and, and capable of delivering. Clearly, Don has ticked all those boxes, but there's another thing which I think makes an even better business idea, and that is that there is not too much competition, 
But most of us enter spaces where there's a ton of competition. Like we just talked about with the Ember mug. There's a ton of mugs out there. Could there be another more common physical object in the world than a (laughs) mug? Right? We all have like 10 of them. What else do you have 10 of in your cabinet? (laughs) Right? All of us have 10 mugs. There must be like 50 billion mugs on the planet. So there's competition out there. And in Don's case, there's competition in the marketing space, but he has neutralized that competition by niching down to focus not on marketing in general, but on the aspect of clarifying your message and telling your story. And he's chosen to focus on a particular market that has plenty of money to spend on this kind of thing. And they're going after it um, in droves. And that is the enterprise market. Yeah. Totally. I love this. So the problem this business idea is solving is I don't know what to put on my website. I don't know how to tell my story about my my pro. I need to make a sales page. I don't know what needs to be on it. I don't know how to convince someone to work with me. I don't know how to uh I don't know how to convince and persuade a person on the internet to insert you know fill in the blank here. Yeah. Right. I don't know how to inspire my marketing department or get them all on the same page yeah. or my sales department, you know. Yeah. There's a lot of uses for this. Okay, got it. And that is so that is a problem. And I like I like breaking this down so people can start thinking about their own business th- this way. It's like what's the problem? You're really and this is by the way story brand stuff, right? right? Like thinking about the problem that specifically and really honing in and getting clear on it and not cute with it. That's something Don has talked to me about a lot. Just don't be cute with it. Right, get simplicity clear. again, right? It's simpl- simple Clarity. and clear. Yeah, totally. So, um, all right, that's a great one. I love that. Anything else you want to say, Steph? Anything you want to say about StoryBrand? No, I don't think so. You guys nailed it. Okay, cool. All right, I'm going to move on to my first one, which is, okay, I like kind of two levels on this one. There's there One of them is like the company itself, the business idea of the company itself is, I think, interesting, as well as a, one of their specific products is interesting. It's this company called onit.com o n n i t right and it's just like it's like it's where the it's where bros go to fill up their tank <laughs> you, know, you know what i mean it's super broy um but it's also something that i i'm honestly like i like this company a lot i i'm really intrigued and fascinated by how they got started and 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 why they're so successful cuz they are very successful so this product this company is working on a lot of levels their main goal their sort of vision for what they want to do in the world is in, and I quote, total human optimization, Mm. end quote, right? So it's a company focused specifically on people who are pursuing optimization of their athletic performance, of their cognitive performance, of their success in life and in business, of their, uh, (laughs) I don't know about, I'm sure they have like products for sex and stuff. It's like the evolution of productivity almost, but taken to every aspect of your life. Where you're seeing that. Now, what what else does Tim Ferriss represent? I mean, that's exactly what a Tim Ferriss represents. One of the more popular, Joe Rogan, same thing. Some of the more popular uh, people in digital independent media. Yeah are representative of this exact same mission human optimization total you know and because i think more and more of us are wanting that like i want optimization i don't want to be working out all the time i want to be working out almost none of the time yeah right yep that's how much i want to you optimize want, yeah you want to be able to to do and have more in your life because you're smart you're working smarter exactly. not harder right? exactly exactly and for so so i love that i love that mission uh, because now that's enabled them to go off into a bunch of different areas. 
Okay, so they have supplements, vitamin, mineral supplement type stuff, which I'll talk about one product in particular, which is probably their flagship product. But then they have a lot of equipment. They like tons of of kettlebells, battle ropes, maces, like all sorts of stuff for that. You know how like in the last 10, 15 years, CrossFit really Mm. became a thing? Like fitness kind of took this shift towards a little more of that. It's like a little more primal. Yeah. A little more like sort like of throwing rocks around in your backyard. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So a lot of equipment for stuff like that. Um, as well as their focus as a company has been about like clinical studies, trying to get the science there that backs up the things that yeah. they sell, having all natural ingredients. They're kind of studies hippie. show that when you use studies to sell a product. Exactly. <laughs> That's right. So uh, one of their products in particular is called Alpha Brain. And the only reason why I've heard about this is because basically every comedian I've heard on a podcast, every entrepreneur that like I, I end up hearing about who is like performing at some high level, tons of athletes, they're using Alpha Brain. And it's this supplement that is, let me see, I've got some notes here. It's for cognitive enhancement. There's apparently no drawbacks, right? It's all natural. There are clinical studies, loads of testimonials from professional athletes and entrepreneurs, and hundreds of just positive, you know, purchaser reviews on their website. But it's this thing that I'll hear someone like even a Pete Holmes or a Joe Rogan say, like, I won't go on stage without it. Like, if I'm going to do a podcast and I don't have it, like, I kind of get a little bit antsy because it helps me process verbally. It helps me follow and track the conversation. It helps me stay, like, on track. Um, And this product has been, you know, touted by loads and loads and loads of people as this cognitive enhancing neurotropic drug is what they're called. Yep. Right. And so uh, that as a product, I really like that product because I'm seeing, and I'm, I have it at home. I, I've I'm only used it a couple of times. I haven't really noticed much of a difference, to be honest. But I'm just looking at it as a marketer and going, yeah. like, dude, these yeah. guys have yeah, it. Yeah. So made. What, what makes it a good business idea? Because they're selling you better just with a few plants. Right. Right. That's all they're selling. Right. They're selling, hey, it's you, but it's better. Right. And all you need is a handful of these plant extracts. So there's a massive supplement industry out there. It's one of the biggest industries there is. And there's all kinds of nootropics out there. So what makes this particular one a better business idea? This is where we have the brand of Onnit. Okay. They've created this brand that's like, if you've done any, you know, if you're paleo, if you're in CrossFit, if you're if you're familiar with this company because you listen to Joe Rogan or you've heard them advertise on on Tim Ferriss or, okay. you know, you hear all these. Other, so it's like, there's this brand of on it, like who, what they stand for. Yeah. Right. And then there's, uh, there's the way that they get the, the testimonials from people out there in the world, like a Gary Vaynerchuk yeah. or like I said, a Joe Rogan or something like that, where right. it's like, if you're paying attention to these quote influencers, this is why you're buying alpha brain. So in this case, um, if you were instructing someone who's like trying to, Pick apart this business idea yeah. and learn something yeah, from yeah, it. Yeah. Would you say that the marketing aspects of it, like how they're going to bring it to market, are as integral to the idea as anything else? I think that's always the case. Personally, I think it's always the case. For instance, I, w- I will work with like I'll, I'll hire a professional, like sort of biomechanics, movement engineering kind of person uh, to help me with something in my body, and I'll just be like, here, here's here's one hundred and twenty dollars. Like, just do something with me because I'm blown away by anything, right? They're so deep in knowledge and expertise, and they can just say, "Oh, this is why you stand like this." Here's an exercise that gets you to do it, and some weird exercise you would never think of doing it. And about five days of doing it, you have a completely different posture and gait. And you're like, "What just happened?" Oh, yeah, because you literally weren't using this one muscle, this little tiny muscle in your 
thing like that. They, I don't know how successful that person is because they're not story branding. They're not creating a brand and a, a message and a mission around that message, mm-hmm. right? That, that helps me sort of identify with that message first of all. And then it's like, okay, what else do you got? Kind of thing, right? There's like, there's there. And I just use that as an example to say, you can have a dope product. You can be utterly exp- expertise on, on this kind yeah. of thing that you're doing and be not, not, not flying a big enough flag or the right colored flag right. or the right kind of thing, right? There's a bunch of supplement companies that I'll, I'll end up purchasing things through because I know of the CEO found them on something, dope doctor or something, but you land on their site and it's like, this looks, feels kind of almost sketchy. Yeah. If it wasn't for this guy's pedigree, I'd be like, Ugh, right. right? But on it, on the other hand, you're like, what else should I buy <laughs> because of the yeah. way everything's packaged? So the looks, I think, play a huge role in that. And this, yeah. this company knows that. Yeah. This, this company knows that it's like it's the look of the Quip toothbrush that made me go like, well, geez, for 25 bucks, I might as well purchase that. Yeah. You know, for 50 bucks, might as well try this Alpha Brain and see what it's like because mm-hmm. they've got all the testimonials and the clinical study with a little video there and all of the like, all the little bits and pieces of their marketing when you go to the Alpha Brain page, the way that they're hitting you with it's all natural. It's clinical studies. It's here's Lewis Howes talking about it. Here's Here's Tim Ferriss talking about it. Here's here's a 565 other people who have bought this, giving it five star reviews, right. right for their for their life, yeah, for cognitive enhancement, yeah. So, so I'd say that's like that's that's why, and now that that's very different from starting it up. I mean, yeah, you I don't think have we're into stuff, execution, right? yeah, with with a lot of that. But we, but that's why thinking about what are the essential elements of this that this started with. I actually watched a video where it was like it was Joe Rogan and, and the CEO of On It talking about like. He, the CEO asked, asked Joe Rogan, what would you want if we made a, a, a supplement? What's the first thing you want? And he was like, I want a neurotropic because I've done some research on it. I have one over here. I don't know anything about it. And Aubrey Marcus, the CEO, went off and like did a bunch of research, talked to doctors, looked at what the, what the papers out there were saying about this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then they put together their own supplement with it. And then it's them talking about what the effects of it were like or whatever, right? So the the... The point is, that's where it sort of started with someone going like, I want a neurotropic. Well, why? Because higher performance from without like working out. Higher performance cognitively, intellectually, so I can read, so I can right. focus, so I can, so I can have better business ideas or right. whatever, right? You know what I mean? Yep. So that's the product that they're, that's the, the solution they're selling. Mm-hmm. And I think that is a badass product to yeah, sell. Especially because it's unregulated. It's unregulated. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's like anybody can get into that business, but when you can create that brand around it, that's why I I, I talk so much about the brand. Yeah. Because I think that is a part of this product. Yeah, of course. You know? Okay. So, uh, Steph, why don't we move on to another one from you? Or anything else to tear down from that? You know, I would just kind of summarize the little back and forth you guys just had by saying that what I hear in that is uh, people listening have probably heard some version of the importance of trust to the sales process, right? Mm. No Building no like and trust. I think that everything you're pointing out is really like just the definition of trust. You start to trust, like when there's so many options, when it's unregulated, mm. you trust, you, you like trust is a very, it's, right. it's really more art than it is science for sure, where you start to form trust based on things that aren't even necessarily that tangible. And it might come down to the look and feel and things like that. So I, I just want to kind of bring that to real life for people because you hear about trust and trust and selling. And I think what you're getting at is exactly what people mean when they talk about how it, integral trust is to a, a good sales process. Yeah, love it. You guys, we're like, we're 50 minutes in. Yeah. 
should we stop with three business ideas or should we just wrap like rapid fire? I don't, um, I don't know. What do you think? The next let's all, let's all rapid fire one. Okay. Okay. All right. So Steph, do, do one more and then, and, and quickly kind of like, let's see what, okay. tell us what your problem and solution sort of is on this thing. And we'll kind of do that. Okay. Mine is, mine can be pr- pretty quick and it's actually, I'm going outside the lines a little bit. It's kind of a comparison of two ideas, like basically the exact same idea with two totally different executions. So I think this might be interesting. Mm. I was thinking about the difference between Instacart. So a lot of people listening probably use Instacart or some version of Instacart. If you've never heard of it, it's a grocery delivery service. Uh, very popular in places like Chicago where it's absolutely freezing. The last thing you want to do is go grocery shopping versus for those of us who are raised in the 90s, you might remember a company called Webvan. And I remember when my mom first started doing Webvan, it was like this huge deal. It was the first major grocery delivery service ever. And if you read about Webvan, it's actually really interesting. They went from like millions of users to crashing and burning overnight. And there's a lot you can read about it. It has to do with razor thin margins and the executives didn't have experience in the grocery industry. But the big, big difference that I can discern between Webvan from the 90s and Instacart today, which is doing really well, Webvan, they they stocked all of the products themselves and they ran into serious issues with shelf life. Like, cause that's like a big deal with grocery. Like, you, you know, produce does not stay long. It's very, or it doesn't stay good for very long. It's very difficult to be in that business. And so that was an example of executives who just got in way over their head. It was a great idea. Back to Corbett's point, the very beginning of the episode, awesome idea, all the demand in the world, execution was terrible and they had to ultimately close their doors. If you look at Instacart, the major difference is they are not doing any stocking of of product, they have personal shoppers that they pay to go. And it's like pretty cool. It's kind of like being an Uber driver. You can just like decide how much you want to take on. You get to be an Instacart shopper. You see them in the grocery stores with their like special t-shirts and they pick up the groceries at your Whole Foods, you know, wherever and deliver it to the person's house. So I just wanted to bring that up because the idea is so strong. I mean, grocery delivery service, like awesome. I mean, it's like been revolutionary for many of us, myself included. I, I love the idea of grocery delivery, but the execution can be everything sometimes. So as like a little mini case study, I just wanted to bring up the two of those because I think it's really fascinating to see the history Mm. and the difference between, you know, it's like a tale of of two companies with the same idea and the results are just so different. Mm. Yeah. And with an idea like that, the, all of those details are so important. The details of like, how are we going to distribute this stuff? I mean, yeah, matter you, you as imagine. much as 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 much as you know, just saying the idea on paper is, oh, we're going to deliver groceries to people, yeah. right? There's a lot more detail to that. Totally, that's why execution. Yeah, because I mean, you could you could probably hear one of those executives today talking about like we were so stupid, we thought we could we could store and warehouse all the vegetables yeah. if we just didn't do that, right? Because that's a business. That's yeah. a whole biz- That's like a whole enterprise just yep. to store logistically fruits and vegetables with different parish dates and all of that kind of stuff, right? Totally. That's crazy. All right, Corbett, what's your what's your last one? My next one, my last one is uh, another business from a friend of ours, and this is ConvertKit from Nathan Barry. Mm-hmm. ConvertKit is an email service, basically, that allows you to send marketing messages. And the reason that I love ConvertKit, there's a couple of reasons, okay? The first is, again, Nathan had the same problem as we talked about with StoryBrand or, or with all of the others, and that is that there's competition out there, and mm. how do you get around that, right? A lot of people think that a business idea is bad because there's competition, but 
what we talk about is that competition isn't necessarily a bad thing. A lot of times it validates your market, and then you just need to find a way to stand out. You need yeah. a unique selling proposition. And in Nathan's case with ConvertKit, he chose to niche down. This is the first uh, email service out there that is built specifically for professional bloggers, and mm-hmm. that's what it says on their homepage. Yeah. So whether or not the service is all that different or the features, he's chosen to focus on bloggers, the needs of bloggers, to understand them and so on because that's the world that he comes from. And because of that, because Nathan was a blogger himself, another really cool thing about ConvertKit is that you can read the history of ConvertKit from the very beginning because Nathan started this five years ago as a challenge to himself to build a SaaS business, a software as a service business that earned $5,000 a month within six months. He didn't succeed, Mm. but he kept at it. And a couple of years later, he chose to double down, and he ended up finding traction with this thing. And now it's uh, almost ten year, ten million dollar a year business. Wow. So it's a really cool story, and you can see the humble beginnings right there on Nathan Barry's personal blog. Yeah, love it. That's a great example. And the problem that we're solving there is people need to send marketing emails. And I would say it would go one step further, and it was like this ability to segment and to send. Uh, like to easily give a freebie to someone, sure. right? Like, remember, like yeah. Mailchimp, like you have to jump mm-hmm. through these hoops now, right? Starting up this automation, mm-hmm. and it's and it's possible, yeah. And all the other ones, but it's like, and Mailchimp has gotten a lot better, yeah. Now their automation thing is free and stuff like that, but we love ConvertKit for starting up. Mm-hmm. They don't have a free plan. Love, <laughs> love ConvertKit. Steph loves it, and if you want a free month of ConvertKit, <laughs> you can go to fizzle.co slash. Convert kit, and you can sign up right now. You'll get free 30 days. You won't get charged anything. You could just try it out yep. and see how great it is. Highly recommended. It. it might take your business to the next level just by being able to do what you can do there. Mm-hmm. So if you're interested in that, check out fizzle.co slash email because we're going to walk you through a seven day course on creating a freebie with an irresistible offer that is going to help you get way, way more growth on your email list going. Okay, my last one here is, um, what will I go with? I'll go with our goals course, which Steph just delivered a couple days ago mm. here, mm. local time. I think this is a stellar product. Why? Because, so first of all, you can go to fizzle.co slash goals and you can get into this course. Um, if you're not a fizzle member, that, that'll show you what the course is about. If you're already a fizzle member, you can go into the library shortly and we'll have, we'll have the course in there. But what I love about this is what we're selling you, what, what you're walking away with is like unadulterated, confident clarity about what you're doing this season of your life. This season right now, what are the things I care about? What are the things I'm working towards? How will I know I'm making progress towards them? And you feel unadult, like like I said, unadulterated, confident clarity about those things. There's mm-hmm. none of this like wishy-washy, like, yeah, I said I would do this, but then like, I don't really know if I really want to do that anymore. You know what I mean? It's not, it's a completely different mm-hmm. way of setting goals yeah. of really, you're not even setting goals. You're fi- you're discovering, you're discovering your sort of purpose, your goals, your, your, what you really want to be doing. And it's already in you, right? So I love this product and quotes like this product because uh, as a business idea, the thing that I'm selling you when I sell you this course is a product is like a payoff that I'm like, yes, you need that. I need that. I went through the course where she did it live. I went through it. It was amazing. Yeah. It was so good. And the, everybody that was on there going live was just like having their minds blown as well. So just a total 
easy, simple, clear framework that absolutely leads to results if you do it. And those results are literally life-changing. This is a great business idea. And we call them goals. We call it about you know how to set goals that will actually stick. Uh, and we might even need to come up with a better name for that stuff because it's not really, it is goals. I mean, it really is, but it feels like what it gives you is this whole total life holistic sort of like clarity about what you're doing right now. Mm-hmm. So it's really, it, that, that's yeah. a great product. It, that's an example too, back to like talking about marketing. It, sometimes when you come up with a product, you have to think about what people think they need versus yeah. what they actually need, right? Yeah. <laughs> we think and we're taught that we need to have goals and it's kind of like that's sort of the way into the course, but you're right. Once you get in there, you're like, actually, this is really about clarity and, and being able to see where I'm going. So yeah, it was a lot of fun. And I hope people, people who haven't taken it yet, definitely check it out because it was like just absolutely mind-blowing for everybody there and, and mind-blowing for me to teach. It was so much fun. Mm, I love it. Okay, guys. So that is six business ideas. Corbett, give me your sort of, uh, your summary on what we need to be. So someone out there who's thinking about their business idea, what makes it a good one? What makes it a bad one? Like, Give me your take on on what they should take away from this episode. Yeah, I always look for alignment between who I am, what I'm interested, what I'm capable of as the entrepreneur, and the thing that my potential customer wants and is willing to pay for. Mm. I'm looking for overlap between those two things. Yeah. And that's a good start. And then remember that a business idea is a living, breathing thing. It needs to adapt and grow as you learn new things by talking to customers, by experiencing what's out there in the world yeah. related to you and your competition. And that an idea is just half of the equation. The other half is execution, mm-hmm. and that matters just as much. The way that you bring the idea to market, don't feel like you've got it all made just because you think you have a good business idea. Yeah, love it. Awesome. Okay, so this episode was brought to us by Gusto today. So let me read you a little note from our sponsors. Is that okay right now, guys? Gusto builds, it built a, this, and talking about another business idea that's crushing it is Gusto because they made payroll really, really easy. Corbett, spout off of a second about what you, what you love about Gusto. Well, one of the great things about them is that they handle all of the state taxes involved. And when you're running a business like ours, sometimes mm-hmm. you have people in different states. You know, whenever we say hello on this show, you know, we'll say that so and so's in this state and so and so's in that state. When yeah. we live in different places, Gusto handles those state taxes for you. Yeah. You don't have to worry about it. You know that you're paying the right amounts. Love that. So if you want to check out Gusto, you should do it absolutely because we love using this tool. We do our own payroll through it. Okay, you can sign up today and you'll get three months for free once you run your first payroll. Just go to gusto.com slash fizzle. That's G-U-S-T-O dot com slash fizzle, F-I-Z-Z-L-E. And another sponsor today is Vast Conference Calling, okay? Their instant conference calls have crystal clear audio quality and tons of great features. Visit conferencecalling.com to start holding conference calls that you can actually here. All right. You get a 30 day free trial when you go to fizzle.co slash vast. That's where you should go. Fizzle.co slash vast. And you'll get 30 days of free conference calling. Uh, and, and you can even call one of their sales reps to like set up your account. If you, if you want, just tell them you heard it about, uh, about it on the fizzle show. Um, so thanks to those sponsors for supporting it. Also, if you guys haven't checked out our membership, fizzle.co, check out the membership, get feedback on your business ideas, 
get going through some accountability and some support from people who are doing something similar to you, putting their ass on the line to build something they actually care about. A lot of you are all alone in there. You need to get into a community who's building the same kinds of stuff as you because it will make you go further faster. Try it at fizzle.co slash try five and you'll get five weeks for free. Corbett Barr, Steph Crowder, I think that's it. Thanks a lot. All right. Talk to you guys later. That was awesome. Have a good one. Goodbye.